Hello, friends, and welcome to the Grad Student Coach Podcast. My name is Jed Irvin. I'm really glad you're here with me today. I'm going to have a fairly short episode for you today, very focused, called How to Unfreeze. So, I'm the kind of person who has enough anxiety in their bloodstream that every once in a while, when I'm speaking in public or at a meeting, and I'm kind of the center of attention, every once in a while, maybe like twice every three years, I will have a mini little panic attack, and I will just disappear from what I'm talking about and suddenly find myself in a state of complete and utter freeze and just unable to move forward. Now, this is more common uh, when I was... uh, newer at my job and feeling much more out of my depth, feeling like everyone around me knew much, everyone around me knew so much more than I did. Uh, It's not so common now, but it still happens. Uh, But I've developed some techniques to help myself uh, get out of the situation, and I thought I'd share that with you today. So what happens when we freeze up? If we're giving a presentation Suddenly we start to have some anxieties and they spiral and your little world that used to take in the whole space in front of you collapses into a little pinpoint and you just stop talking. So what's going on there is the part of your brain that handles fight, flight, or freeze, as far as I remember, it's the amygdala. Uh, That is kicked in for some reason as a defense mechanism. Now, that part of the brain is the oldest part from an evolutionary standpoint. And so uh, I believe they call it the reptilian brain. And it's kind of below the layer that even emotions are happening at. It's doing this very fundamental survival processing. And so it's kind of strange that you might be giving a talk to 10 people in a room and have this kick in because clearly you're very, it's very unlikely that you're in an actual uh, life or death situation. And there's very likely not a giant bear stalking the hallways outside uh, and so forth. So uh, it's just kind of an evolutionary hangover that this situation can hit us when we're giving a talk or giving a presentation. But, you know, if you're, if you need to give a talk at a conference to a few hundred people and you're not used to doing it, it can be an overwhelming thing. And so what do you do? What happens if you have this happen to you? Well, so the parts of the brain, uh, the evolutionary kind of process, as I understand it, was we had this reptilian brain and then over time was added something called the limbic brain, which... Uh, handles uh, emotions and such. And then the most recent addition is the neocortex, which handles uh, logic and reason. Or, you know, generally they collaborate in an extremely complicated dance that is not fully understood yet, but that's the basic breakdown as I understand it. And so the problem is you are talking through a story, giving a talk, you were riding along a story that was following an arc of reason, 
And that's being handled in the part of the brain that's the farthest, uh, in a way, uh, from the reptilian brain. Uh, there's the uh, limbic brain in between is handling the emotions. And so it's just a, it's a huge leap to go from that state of freeze to suddenly just kind of go back into what you're talking about. Because uh, that kind of processing, it just requires a significant reboot to get up into there. And so what I've come up with was come up with for myself is a kind of shortcut. And the shortcut works like this. So basically the challenge is um, you, you're telling a story in your presentation and you've fallen out of your story into this freeze state. So the challenge is, how do you find your way back into the story? Well, there's two problems here. First is remembering what the heck story was I even telling? And the second part is, once I remember that, where was I? Those are kind of the two parts of this. And so what, what I've done uh, to help myself with this is, before I give my talk... I think through my talk and I find the areas, the points in my presentation that have the highest emotional charge for me. Now, these could be either exciting things or frustrating things, angering things, uh, beautific things, uh, amazing things, anything that has like a... Um, a high charge with it, I can leverage that because in a way the distance between my reptilian brain and my uh, emotion processing is not as great. It's not such a leap to be panicked and stuck and to find your way into a feeling. And so what I do is I think through my the arc of what I'm going to be talking about and I find the points that are the most exciting or the most depressing or the most frustrating or whatever, and I kind of map them out. And I remember that as kind of the outline of my story. And so if I'm stuck and I need to remember how to get back into the story, I just, it's kind of like it's a short grab to find those emotional touch points. So if there was a part of my research or whatever that was just super frustrating and I was talking about how I, I failed over and over to get to a certain point and it was very frustrating, remembering that frustration is an, it's, it's an easier thing to remember that you were frustrated than it is to remember the details of all about why you were frustrated. But once you get to that feeling, that story is hooked into the feeling because as you've lived that story, those emotional memories were laid down. And as you've practiced your talk, you can also anchor those feelings a little bit more with a little bit more intention. So you're sitting there frozen. Okay, what's the feeling? What, what was I feeling about what I was talking about? Oh, yeah. The last thing I was saying was how frustrated I was. It was frustrating. Oh, yeah, my research. Okay. Oh, right. So anyway, so when I was doing this research, my equipment kept breaking. 
and then you're back in the story. So if you think of the story as kind of a set of train tracks that has uh, twists and turns, maybe a road, uh, Google map trace or whatever, whatever analogy works best for you, the challenge is to find your way back into that so you can jump back in. And then once you, once you get close enough to the story you're trying to tell, as long as you remember that story well enough, it's just an easy jump to get back into it. Now that brings me to another point is that part of the recovery process is reassuring yourself that you actually do know the story that you can finish because the plight of the frozen person is the fear that they'll never be able to finish. But if you've been doing research for seven months and your talk is based on that seven months of life, you know that life, you know those details. You might not remember perfectly exactly the the specific wording of the next sentence of the talk or what that was supposed to be, but you know, you know in your bones, you know you can tell that story. And um, yeah, I'm reminded of something a former coworker told me that was very useful. I was trying to explain something to him and I could not figure out a way to say it. And I kept stopping and starting and stopping and starting. And it wasn't because I couldn't remember. It was just because I was, I couldn't, I was blocked on how to figure out how to say it. And he said to me, well, what was it you were trying to say? And I was like, oh, well, what I was trying to say was blah, 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 blah. And so I just got out of my way. The part of me that was trying to get it perfectly or whatever uh, was this obstacle. And so he reminded me that I really did know the story. It was in there. And it was just it was just going to come tumbling out as long as I got that little bit of uh, frustration out of the way. And so if you're giving a talk on something you know well and you get stuck, you can finish the talk because you know the stuff. And so with that little bit of reassurance, it can uh, be a stepping stone then uh, to finding your way back in as well. Now, what if you're having to give a talk about something you don't really care about that much? It's a talk you're required to give, but you don't have very many passions one way or another. It wasn't a royal pain in your butt, and it wasn't a long stretch, but you just have to give this uh, talk and you still have this problem and you want to be able to get out of it, well, what you can do is you can set up some associations uh, with different parts of the story. For example, I'm a very uh, color-affected person. I've learned that basically I'm happy at my job if I get to look at colors as part of my job. I love doing uh jigsaw puzzles, as long as they have a nice diverse set of colors. I could occupy myself for probably 30 years just making colorful jigsaw puzzles. I love colors. And uh, so that's why I gravitate towards doing user interface work. But so colors are a sensory notion, right? And so what you can do is you can imagine your talk uh, with each section being associated with a particular color. You could even, you know, take the text file that you have that is the talk you're trying to practice and you could color code the text that way. And it just gives you another crutch, a reference point as you're talking through uh, the talk. 
you can keep in mind that, okay, I'm in the purple section. And it's just easy to remember a notion like purple because you don't have to think about it. You can just kind of imagine purple because uh, it's a sensory thing. And so uh, that's another technique is you can set up reference points using some set of words that mean that has more oomph uh, for you. Like if you're a music fan, just uh, try to have have like subtitles for sections of your documents that uh, you don't say, but it could be like the jazz section and the classical section or something like that. You get the idea. So it's a way to set yourself up with a set of feelings that are associated with each section of the document to help you orient yourself and remind yourself uh, where you are in the story. And if you practice your story properly by keeping those associations in mind, they'll come uh, pretty, pretty naturally. So one other angle on freezing up that I just wanted to touch on is uh, the embarrassment of it. Like, um, how long does it take you to get embarrassed if you freeze up? Well, it's an interesting question because your sense of time as a speaker is strangely skewed uh, relative to the sense of time that a listener has of you talking. So, uh, for example, uh, the pace at which I'm talking now uh, as I speak, I feel like I'm kind of plodding along. But when I listen to myself uh, recorded. When I listen back to this, often I'm I'm zipping along way faster than I thought I was, or at least my perception of what I thought I was. And so it's strange. Like you can be up on a uh, on a stage talking to a big group, and pause for a second, and you know in the movies where the clock just kind of slowly tick tick tick, and you see those effects where it kind of slows down. Well, that effect really does happen, at least to me. And so uh, the whole point of this is that audiences, since they experience that time differently, they're totally fine with long pauses. In fact, they need pauses. In fact, most people speak too quickly. And so the larger your audience is, it's kind of a nice synergy. The larger your audience is, the further away you are from most of them, the longer the pause can be and still sound natural. Now, if I'm talking to somebody one-on-one in a little room and I freeze up for five or 10 seconds, that'll be, feel like a very long time. But if I'm on stage and I take a pause and I kind of walk back and forth across the stage a little bit, it looks like I'm doing it on purpose. You know, it might be, I might be covering for the fact that I can't remember, remember where I was, but you can actually leverage pauses in your presentation to make it more dramatic and to give parts of it emphasis. Like if you're going to, like in a minute, at the end of the sentence, I'm going to try to make a point that when you hear it, you really do get it, right? It's like those pauses cue the listener that something important is going to be said. And so uh, you can take breaks. 
You can walk away from the microphone for a moment. You can have a sip of water. You can do uh, what can seem like a thousand things in the amount of time that it would take an audience member to even know that you're having an issue. And so I've been to um, lots of talks where I've just been begging, begging for the person to slow down because I'm missing some of the words uh, and they obviously aren't used to speaking to an audience this size and maybe they aren't projecting well enough. So I'm struggling to hear what they're saying. They're speaking too quickly and all the emotional integrity or enthusiasm that they're trying to push through is getting lost in the, in the speed of what they're saying. And, and so anyway, you can really use the fact that you need to take pauses uh, to help you get back on track if you get stuck. All right, well, this was just a very focused trip through uh, this technique of getting unstuck. So I'm going to leave it here uh, this time, and we're gonna. I think the next couple of episodes I'm going to do are also going to be short ones, which means I'll be able to turn them around faster. Uh, I think there's a few different uh, fear-related topics that I'm going to crunch through. So uh, that will be coming up hopefully sooner. I've been I was trying to get one episode out every week, and the time there has dilated to about once every 10 days, and I want to get my pace up again. Uh, so maybe doing some slightly shorter ones uh, will help me do that. All right, and this might be the very first episode where I talked coherently without needing to stop and regroup, and I may just release this without editing it at all. I might just boost up the volume or something, but if I do that, boy, that would be awesome. All right. I think that is all. Signing off from Megark Pegoy Degameganegi Studios. Uh, we'll see you next time on the Grad Student Coach. To help me keep this podcast going, you can support it at patreon.com slash gradstudentcoach. There you can access additional resources, and join the community to help guide content of future podcasts. You can also follow me on Twitter at GradStudyCoach.